0: If you're a parent who has a kiddo with food allergy, or you love somebody who has a food allergy, then chances are you know that going out to eat can be very stressful because you're concerned that even if you order an allergen-free dish, that allergen is going to get into the food, and your kiddo or your loved one is going to have an allergic reaction. Well, on today's podcast, I am going through an article journal club style, and talking about their projected risk of having an allergic reaction in a restaurant. It's a pretty interesting article, and I'll link to it in the blog and in the show notes. So let's dive in. Welcome to Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with Dr. Alice Hoyt the podcast about demystifying food allergies, diminishing allergy anxiety, and taking back control. Let's navigate this challenge together with evidence-based information, scientific research, and tried and proven practices. And now, here's your host, board-certified allergist and immunologist specializing in food allergy, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Hey y'all, it's Dr. Alice Hoyt here with Food Allergy and Your Kiddo, and today I'm going to try something a little bit different. I know I typically have a co-host or I'm interviewing somebody, but I also want to try with you guys going through a journal article. I find that many times when patients come in to see me, they will have read something or... Um, have found something online that's referencing a journal article. And I know in a previous podcast, I did go through how to read a medical journal article like a doctor. And I hope you reference that podcast um, and the info blog, com, And you can find all that information there. But Today I wanted to take you through an article that I thought was super interesting. And I'll have a link to the article on the blog. Again, com. And while you're there, sign up for my email list so that every Monday you can get the newest information on food allergy. Um, really just some cool stuff that I like to share with my listeners and with my readers. And so one thing that went out in my email earlier this week was a link to this article. I like to select articles that clearly are relevant to people who love kids and adults who have food allergies, right? Um, But also I really like to try to select articles that I talk with you guys about that um, are free to access for you because I always want you to be able to go to the literature and find what it is that I'm talking about. So the title of this article is Risk of Shared Equipment in Restaurants for Consumers with Peanut Allergy, a Simulation for Preparing Asian Foods. So you're probably like, wait, what did you just say? Basically, the title of this article is saying that what you're about to read has to do with cross-contact, meaning allergen being left on utensils that are used in a restaurant. Um, and this is specifically relevant to peanut because they say it's for consumers with peanut allergy. And then if you have peanut allergy or if your kiddo has a peanut allergy, you're probably thinking, well, I haven't gone to an Asian food restaurant in a long time because they always cook with peanut. They do very regularly and multiple types of Asian cuisines use peanut. And so it is challenging for people who have peanut allergy to eat at these establishments. So what first I'm going to kind of go through with you guys how I read articles so you can kind of see this in in action. Again, I did a podcast on this before so you can totally listen to that. I'm going to apply what I talked about, Bib, and do it as we go through this article. But I'm also going to take breaks and talk about what exactly they're trying to convey because that's the whole purpose here is so that you guys can really understand what these food allergy researchers are talking about so that then you can talk with your allergist about how any of this information could be relevant to you. So we talked about the title. Also, I look at what journal is this in? This is in the Annals of Allergy, um, Asthma, and Immunology. This is the journal that is affiliated with the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. The American College, or the college as allergists call it, is one of the best allergy organizations in the country, if not the world. Um, They're fantastic. So if you're ever looking for allergy information if you go to the college website, then and I'll put a link to that in the info blog fooddolgeneenkido.com, then you know that the information you're getting there is good information. <clears throat> okay, so we know it's in a good journal. We think we understand the title though there there's some there's some um, subtext to that title too and I'll tell you why in a minute. We look at the authors and we look at where the authors are. They're in the Netherlands. They're also at University of Nebraska at their Food Allergy Research and Resource Program. And then I scroll down to the disclosures. Now, this is always very important because we want to know who is writing this and what sort of um, interests do they have other than just presenting a very good article. Again, this is why you want to look in a good journal because a good journal is not going to let um, bad science fly. So... And, and good journals also require that you disclose anything that could be a conflict of interest. And so this disclosure shows that one of the primary authors does have grants, travel support, and personal fees from DBV Technologies. Um, and DBV Technologies is a company that has to do with immunotherapy. Specifically the immunotherapy that DBV Technologies is working on is the patch. You may have heard of the Viaskin. Um it's what we kind of just call the peanut patch. Um and so it's its whole type of immunotherapy is desensitizing people by putting a patch on the skin. Very cool stuff. Um, but I wanted to point out that while we're reading this article, I want you to keep in mind what some of these conflicts are because I told you earlier that the title says Risk of Shared Equipment in Restaurants for Consumers with Peanut Allergy, a Simulation for Preparing Asian Foods. But what this journal article really gets at is can immunotherapy help keep people safe When they go to a restaurant. We're gonna get there. Very interesting stuff, right? Okay, so we read the title. We know it's in a good journal. We looked at the author and their disclosures. So what is their objective? When you're looking at this article, you'll see the abstract. The abstract consists of information in the background, the objective. So why, why the authors are writing this, the methods. So how they did this research their results, and then their conclusion. And again, their conclusion is their interpretation of their results. So as I told you in that previous podcast, I like to look in the introduction section of of the journal. So after the abstract, then you get into the introduction of the journal article. I like to look in that introduction, read through the introduction, talk about, or read through like, why is this interesting? You know, what are they getting at? What is their question? Why are they doing this research? So I don't have to look very hard because also it it has an objective laid out. Their objective in the abstract is to quantify the risk reduction potentially achieved by increasing an individual's threshold sensitivity to peanut, such as by means of immunotherapy, in scenarios of peanut exposure through shared kitchen materials in a restaurant setting. So that's a mouthful. Basically, what this paper is looking at and what this research is looking at is how likely is it that somebody's going to have an allergic reaction due to cross contact, cross contamination? We'll talk about that in a restaurant. So if the chef doesn't clean a spoon and scoops out some peanut butter and then uses that same spoon and scoops out your kid's um, pudding, how likely is it that your child will have an allergic reaction due to cross contact or that pudding being contaminated with peanut butter from that spoon that was not cleaned at all? So how likely is it that your kiddo is going to have an allergic reaction to that amount of peanut butter that is getting into your kiddo's food that should not be there? The way they do this is very interesting, but why this is so relevant and why they mention parenthetically, such as by means of immunotherapy, is because what immunotherapy does is help decrease the risk of having an allergic reaction. How it does that is by... Increasing your body's level of tolerance to a food. Let me say that again. Immunotherapy helps raise the threshold that your kiddo will have an allergic reaction, meaning it's less likely that your kiddo is going to have an allergic reaction because your kiddo's immune system has seen a certain level of that allergen and it's used to seeing it and it's not going to freak out definitely look at, and I'll put a link in the show notes and to the info blog that talks about immunotherapy, specifically oral immunotherapy, and early peanut oral immunotherapy. But basically the way oral immunotherapy works is that slowly over months, sometimes years, we increase the amount of an allergen a kiddo or an adult is consuming. We start with tiny, 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 tiny amounts every couple of weeks they the kiddo comes in and we slowly increase the amount and sometimes we try to get a kiddo to eating the amount of peanut protein that's equivalent to about a peanut so that's about 250 300 milligrams sometimes we try to get them eating higher depending on which protocol you're following and again oral immunotherapy, and immunotherapy for foods in general is still relatively new. So there are a lot of different protocols and there are different approaches, right? There's oral, I already mentioned earlier, the the patch. So what this study is looking at is if we get your kiddo just a little bit desensitized even. So not even to tolerating um even a whole peanut's worth of peanut protein, but even maybe like half a peanut's worth or a little less than that will that little bit of tolerance help protect your kiddo from having an allergic reaction? So you can see that in the title, Risk of Shared Equipment in Restaurants for Consumers with Peanut Allergy, a Simulation for Preparing Asian Foods, that is the title, that is what they study. But what this data is really getting at, spoiler alert, what they found is by doing different... Um, experiments of different washing practices with um, utensils in kitchens. It's a really interesting journal article and has pictures too. So I totally encourage you to check it out. What they found is that even with not the greatest cleaning practices, which is kind of gross, if your kiddo has a little bit of tolerance to peanut and even gets to tolerating... 300 milligrams, which is one peanut a day, then they have a lot of protection against having an allergic reaction from eating at a restaurant. It's pretty cool. So let me go a little bit more in depth since I kind of, for those of you who like to look at the end of the book and find out the answer there, I just gave it to you. But I was able to give it to you because I read the article the way I told you I read articles in my previous podcast by really looking at the methods, looking at who's doing the study and looking at the results of the study and then me making my own interpretation. Um, as opposed to sort of the, the easy way, the cheaty way to look at an article, which is to look at the abstract and look at their conclusion but we don't want to do that, right? We want to be able to sift through the fake news and make our own conclusions. So let me get a little bit more into this article. We talked about the title author in the journal. We talked about the objective. We talked about the, the, the disclosures with, with the authors. And let's talk about the methods. This is just such an interesting article. Um, basically what they did was they made three versions of a peanut containing or of peanut containing sauces. They made a pad thai, an Indian coconut milk curry, and general sows. And what they did was they looked at these different types of sauces in cooked conditions, then cooled, cooked still hot on different utensils, um, like residual left on different utensils, and then different cleaning processes to see if that utensil was then used in what's supposed to be a peanut-free dish, how much peanut was left on the utensil. We also looked at bowls, all of that. And then if the residual amount of peanut all of that got into a peanut allergic person's food, if 25%, 50%, 75% of it, they calculated out all these potential scenarios. And they did a a few different how they cleaned them too. So again, take a look at the article. Um, And again, it has pictures in it. Hi there! This is Alexis from the Hoyt Institute of Food Allergy. Did you know that the Institute is the official sponsor of the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast? And did you also know that you are now able to connect with Dr. Hoyt directly? That's right! We are now offering food allergy office hours for parents. These one-on-one virtual sessions are available for parents all across the country. It's an educational session, not an office visit, where you can ask all of your food allergy questions and finally get answers. It's as comfortable as having a cup of coffee with your bestie. Simply click the link in the show notes to schedule and mention this ad. We are so, so excited to connect with parents across the globe with this new service. Okay, now back to Pam and Dr. Hoyt. And you're probably wondering, well, how did they how did they figure out the risk stuff, Dr. Hoyt? So how they figured out the risk stuff. Is they looked at, and this is also where um, where potential oral immunotherapy can come in. So what they looked at was somebody's level of tolerance at baseline. So let me camp there for a second. One of the challenges with peanut allergy or any food allergy, is that there are varying levels of tolerance to a food. So in somebody who has a peanut allergy, it's quite possible that they could tolerate a some microgram amount. It's very possible that they just at baseline could tolerate a few milligrams, but maybe they can't tolerate the amount of a whole peanut. Um, or maybe they're, that's called an eliciting dose. So what dose elicits an allergic reaction. So that's their sort of baseline threshold for having an allergic reaction. What if we have a kiddo undergo OIT? Then that threshold increases because an increased threshold can occur when you get the immune system tolerant to a food. So the threshold increases, which makes a risk of an allergic reaction decrease compared to what the kiddo's prior threshold was. So they looked at the risk of having an allergic reaction at a peanut protein threshold when you've undergone oral immunotherapy, and they compared it to that of the starting threshold they didn't go into how do you increase a threshold is it better to use oral immunotherapy is it better to use um a, a a patch they did not go into how you change the threshold they just talked about increasing the threshold so again not quite what's in the title but very relevant to this whole paper. Let's recap where we are so far. We talked about the title, author, journal, the objective, the introduction. We talked about the methods. I talked to you about the threshold and that oral immunotherapy raises someone's threshold to have an allergic reaction, which means they have a decreased risk of an allergic reaction. And if you raise someone's threshold to have an allergic reaction, then if they're in a restaurant and they accidentally have an amount of peanut that is below their threshold, then they really should not have an allergic reaction. That is what this paper is saying. And when we look at the results and the results, there's some tables in here that talk about how much peanut remained on utensils. I mean, they really got in the weeds in this. They showed, um, if you just, if you don't clean it at all, if you just rinse water or if you scrub with a brush and water and how do those different scenarios affect the likelihood of having an allergic reaction? And again, they do use different sauces. They use different sauces. They use different cleaning. Um, they use different utensils. And what did they find in their results? what they really looked at was how much peanut is left on utensils or um, the walks or the pans and does that meet someone's peanut allergy threshold value? So that's in table three, if you're looking at the paper. And they break up the different thresholds based on what, different reputable groups use for doing challenge peanut challenges to see if someone tolerates a level. So it's, it's somewhat, it's somewhat standardized ish. Um, but they looked at one milligram, three milligrams of peanut, 10 milligrams, 30, 100, 300 milligrams, which is a magic number because that's about one peanut and then a thousand milligrams, um, which is used in some studies to really get people, um, desensitized, Um, even though in some studies, 300 milligrams does a trick, totally fine. And actually when you go higher, you can have increased symptoms. So that's why I say we still have a long way to go when it comes to immunotherapy for foods. But basically what they found when, when you look at this is that if you have a peanut threshold of 300 milligrams, peanut protein threshold of 300 milligrams, you are much less likely to have an allergic reaction to the amount of peanut left on utensils, left on the wok, the pan, if it wasn't cleaned well, which is every parent's nightmare. If you have a kid with peanut allergy or any food allergy is that you, you, you order a peanut free meal and then there's cross contact meaning you're, somebody uses a utensil or a bowl that had peanut in it on it to then work with your kiddo's dish. So then you're getting peanut into what should be a peanut-free food. And depending on what somebody's peanut threshold is, that could, ha- that could cause an allergic reaction and kill them. But if we raise somebody's peanut threshold, then even with equipment that is not cleaned as well as we all know it should be, there's less likely chance that your kid is going to have an allergic reaction. So that's the article. I think it's very interesting. Let's read what their conclusion is. In all shared kitchen material scenarios that we studied, achieving an eliciting dose, so the dose is going to cause a reaction, of 300 or 1,000 milligrams peanut protein seems clinically relevant for the peanut allergic population. So what they're saying is that it's really going to take getting to those doses that's going to cause a lot of problems, and that's true, but that with types of immunotherapy, we can get thresholds to that point so that if you do have cross contact in your food, your threshold is high enough that you don't have an allergic reaction. So, y'all, this is why we have to read the articles ourselves so that we can see what are they really getting at? Why are they showing us these yucky-looking pictures of utensils that have not been cleaned? I mean, that's yucky. Now, this was all done also, I should tell you— um, I'm looking at the article right now to see where exactly it says it, but it was all done by a chef who was blinded and didn't know what this was for, so he or she couldn't skew things one way or the other. But very, very interesting. So we talked about the whole article, and I really want to know what you guys think of this podcast because it's basically kind of a journal club light. Sometimes in journal club, we get really in the weeds and, um, and talk about the weaknesses and the strengths of the study. We can do that. If, if you want me to let me know, visit me at foodalertineyourkiddo.com. Um, definitely sign up for my email list and reply to my email and say, hey, yeah, let's do a journal club style um, podcast. And we can definitely, definitely do that. But yeah, I think this study is very interesting that if we can get people at a high enough level um, or at a threshold high enough, then they worry less about cross contact. And that's the whole point behind being bite-proof So when you're doing oral immunotherapy, some people think about doing oral immunotherapy, um, and, and they might think at first, oh, this is going to cure my kid's food allergy. It won't cure their food allergy. Um, we don't like to call it a cure because we don't know how long, even if we get your kiddo to eating lots of peanuts all the time, we don't know how long that tolerance to peanut is going to last. But with oral immunotherapy, the goal isn't necessarily to get them eating a bunch of peanuts all the time. So many times when I'm talking with my patients, the goal of oral immunotherapy is to get them what's called bite-proof, meaning if they accidentally bite into something that has peanut, their threshold to react is already so high due to the oral immunotherapy that they have a much lesser chance of having an allergic reaction. So that's what this paper shows. It shows that even if the restaurant's gross or makes mistakes, if we have kids and adults tolerating a certain threshold of peanut, then they're much less likely to have an allergic reaction, especially if we get them to that one peanut a day, about 250, 300 milligrams of peanut protein. That can be very helpful. So let me know what you thought about this. Um, Again, visit foodallergyandrykiddo.com and also be on the lookout because I am launching um, some online courses so that we can really dive deeper into this kind of thing. Because, I mean, the whole point is to really get the allergy information from the research, from the journals, from the clinicians to you guys so that you can be very prepared when you're having discussions with your allergist so that you have a really good foundation of information, evidence-based information, practice-proven information so that you can have good discussion with your allergist about what 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 are the best steps for your kiddo? What's the best management plan for your kiddo? And in the case of oral immunotherapy, oral immunotherapy is not for everybody. Immunotherapy in general is not necessarily for everybody, but I want you to be armed with the information equipped so that you have a deeper understanding of, of what's really out there, the benefits and the risks, so that you can have good discussions with your allergist. That's it for today, you guys. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season, a very merry, merry Christmas. I am grateful to God that he gives me the opportunity to have a podcast and share what I know about food allergy with you guys in this very strange, strange time in which we're living. And remember, I am an allergist. But I am not your allergist, so talk with your allergist about what you learned on the podcast today, what you're reading in the blog, and again, visit com. We've got the courses coming up. I know the one that I have up there right now is no cost because, hey, you guys need to know this information. That's why it's called a foundations course, but I'll talk more about my courses at a different time. But I did want you guys, my listeners, to know that that is coming. Um, so if you are wanting more information about food allergy, you're 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 gonna have the opportunity to get more information about food allergy. Okay, y'all have a merry Christmas. God bless you and God bless your family. Thanks for listening to this episode of Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with food allergist Dr. Alice Hoyt. For more information on navigating the world of food allergy, visit www.foodallergyandyourkiddo.com and follow Dr. Hoyt on Twitter at Dr. Alice Hoyt. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Let's take the anxiety and confusion out of food allergy.